0: Hello, and welcome to the Christ Church Cathedral Podcast. This is the sermon from our past Sunday, recorded live from the cathedral. We hope these words will really speak to your heart and mind. My friends, I greet you in the name of Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you. Amen. Please be seated. I want you to picture something with me. And so if you are willing and if you feel comfortable, I'm going to ask you and invite you to lower your gaze, close your eyes perhaps, and in the quiet of this room, I'm going to invite you to open your hearts to a telling from the gospel of Luke. Remember that you are witnesses to these things. Jesus is with his disciples at table. The candlelit room is crowded, so its dwellers sit close to one another, shoulder to shoulder. Though among them use you're standing and you're standing somewhere off to the side. No one is speaking. No one is moving. The room is still. When you pick Jesus out of the crowd, the first thing you realize is that he is much smaller than you thought he'd be. He's not the character caricature you know, certainly but Neither is he like the more realistic images you've attempted in your mind. Not only is he short in stature, but his presence is modest, quiet, almost subdued. Indeed, you're shocked at the man before you. So meek is he that he have, he'd have gone unnoticed if it were not for the fact that the entire room seems to rest upon him. He holds the weight of the room and the gaze of its guests, though he himself is reclining and at ease. There is a weightiness to the room, a pull, and after a time you too allow yourself to be taken by it. You allow yourself to be caught up in it like the other guests. You sit down, you turn yourself toward Jesus, you lean in with the others, and you at last behold him. And you see that he's eating. He is the only one eating. You see the corner of his mouth glisten as he puts another bit of fish to his lips. You see him chew and savor and swallow each piece. You watch the light run over the oily fingers of his hand and disappear down the hole where most of his palm should be. And there it is, that gap where the nail held him fast. You fixate on it for a time. It is an emptiness a fear made by iron and force gravity and the weight of a weakening body but that pierced hand moves again to the plate and your eyes come out from that space and the fear of that abyss vanishes when you see again the satisfaction upon jesus's face the meal before him is good clearly he couldn't ignore the pleasure of it, even if he wanted to. You return to his mouth, watch his fingers that lift that fish anointing his hand with its oils. Your gaze has been transfixed by what you behold. He finishes the meal with no interruptions. The silence Is thick as the room becomes witness to the mystery of resurrection. And then Jesus looks up from this meal and he addresses you and the room with this teaching All that has been written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the writings of the Psalms had to be fulfilled. And with these words, he threads the scriptures together. The Christ, he begins, God's anointed, will suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. And by his authority, that is in his name, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be spread, will be proclaimed and announced, made available to all people. Beginning here in this city, Jerusalem. And it is in this great and terrible moment that you realize one, not only have you been caught in the presence of resurrected life, taken by those palms and those oiled fingers and that mouth happy to eat again, but two, you now know that all of Holy Scripture is but a witness to this death and resurrection and that this coherence is to lead you and all people into repentance. It is a coherence to invite you to turn back, to humble yourself and ask for help. And all of a sudden, Jesus stands up in your midst, no longer hidden by his weakness, no longer cloaked by his meek stature. He is now over the room like a focal point, supporting and adorning the tension of all eyes like a keystone. The room is all sound now, music, perhaps. And the minds and the eyes of all the guests are opening to his presence at the table and to the words that come from his mouth and all recognize, as they have and as they will, that Jesus is indeed the embodiment of the scriptures. He is their coherent thread. He is their letter made flesh. He is God's purpose for reconciling all things through repentance and faith. Taken by Jesus and taking hold of Him, in this moment He claims all for Himself for His purpose. My friends, remember that you are witness to these things. I'm going to invite you now in this quiet to slowly open your eyes and lift them to meet mine. I'm becoming increasingly aware of the life of Jesus. And the strength or the energy or the power that it exerts upon the world. This is very apparent now that we're, you know, in Easter Eastertide and we're actually nearing the end of Eastertide as we listen to the gospel readings and listen to the songs of Easter. I realize how often I have wondered at the humble presence of Jesus, how he stands out in a world, how he is contrasted so brilliantly against a world that is bent on control, bent on force and ego. A world that refuses time and time again to trust that down, the path down, is really the path up. Often I have come under Christ's yoke to feel again the weight of his resurrected life. I've wondered at these moments, especially as they happen at the Eucharist, and in daily moments of thanks. I've rejoiced over his satisfaction at table. I've tried to imitate his attention to the pleasures of a life lived in a body. It is amazing to me that Jesus removes death's sting with a piece of boiled fish. A bit of food too small to be a meal for most of us. With that bit of oily fish, he opens the kingdom of heaven to all. All now can find a place to recline if they are willing But the humility of Jesus, this lowliness, also calls for a particular response. We can all be witnesses to Christ's resurrection, but not all responses to that resurrection are the one Christ is looking for. I've often averted my eyes as the resurrection makes unwilling bystanders of those who refuse to trust the victory won. I turn my gaze because I know myself what it is to behold the resurrection of Christ, to witness Him and yet remain at a distance. Witness His suffering and rising and yet be unwilling to turn my feet toward Him and say with the psalmist, You only, O Lord, are my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I entreat you with all my heart. Be merciful to me according to your promise. I have considered my ways and turned my feet toward your decrees. I hasten and do not tarry to keep your commandments." You see, becoming a willing witness to the resurrected life of Jesus is no small task for the human heart. For this resurrected life seeks out an authentic trust. It calls forth faith and expects it to begin where all movements of fidelity begin. With a humble act of repentance, with a turning around, with a changing of the mind, with an ask for help. Or it is this movement of repentance, as we heard in Paul's letter today, that is the very this movement of repentance is energized and captured and brought to fruition by the same power that rose, that, that brought Christ out from the dead. It's an incredible peace. My friends, in this Easter tide, in this last week of Eastertide. As you go about your day, you contemplate what it means that Christ is now over all authority in the heavenly realms and upon earth. And as you await the gift and promise of the Holy Spirit, I want you to remember that you, that we are witnesses to these things. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Christ Church Cathedral. Audio editing and original theme by Eduardo Farias. We hope you join us again soon. Have a blessed day.